Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. Yes, indeed. We are live. Everybody participating on this call is alive at the moment. It's taking place. It's currently 7.06 Tuesday. January 7th, 2016, at 7.06 p.m. Pacific time. Um, What I wanted to do this evening was uh, address a reply. Actually, it's opposition. And this opposition is issued, prepared and issued by... um, a district attorney in Southern California and its opposition to the defendant's demurrer. So the defendant, a guy who uh, has sought my assistance on this particular matter, uh, decided to file a demurrer rather than enter a plea. A lot of people are unaware that they have the option to enter a plea, guilty, not guilty, or nolo contendere, or file paperwork. The paperwork filed by the defendant in this case was, in fact, a special demur, not a regular demur. And um, he filed it on time. And uh, the district attorney responded on time. And I've got a copy of the district attorney's opposition. Now, it's really an interesting response. Uh, Typically, these things are multi-page. I mean, 10 or more pages. This particular one is a whopping four. And... um, one of the one of the things we were going to do with this this paperwork was test where the district attorney would focus. We wanted to find out which aspects of the defendant's paperwork the district attorney would focus on, and that's what's reflected in this opposition. So to give you a little uh, background about the strategy being used, one of the strategies anyway, is attacking the notice to appear. A lot of people may or may not be aware that the notice to appear is not a complaint, but it is the document that's used primarily to trigger a criminal action. Now, there's only two types of actions. One civil, the other is criminal. And Everybody knows that there's rules associated with both civil and criminal. 
And if you don't know, then you need to find out. But there are rules associated with criminal procedure, and there are rules that are associated with civil procedure. And when it comes to traffic tickets, we're talking about criminal procedure. The thing is, infractions are not crimes, so um, they're pulling a fast one. And the sooner people untangle this and become aware of what's going on, the more effective and efficient they're going to be should they get a quote-unquote traffic ticket. Now, the standard demur or demurrer, both are proper, either way is proper, you can say it. Uh, the standard kind merely challenges the sufficiency of the paper. Um, actually, I'll read from the district attorney's opposition. This is their argument hey, number one. Uh, before you read that, can I just say, I think the reason why you, what you just said about the infraction, the reason why, uh, this is Donaldson, Northern California, um, that, that, that you're not going to, you can basically, you have a claim against that, uh, you know, the government because of false arrest, right? If, if a traffic stop is an infraction, a fraction is not a crime, and there's an arrest or detainment, there's no, actually, you, you counterclaim, bingo, charge for your time. Go ahead. Sorry. Okay. Um, are you, are you going to do this while I'm, while I'm talking? No, man, no, not at all, but I, I'm feeling you out. I feel you don't like that. And, uh, you know, if you don't like people coming in and, 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 and like, concurring with you and, in a way, complimenting you, uh, that's okay. I can no, find out. No, it's it's like playing a song. Do you play an instrument? No, I understand. But the people on the call have have their wits. And, I, I, mean, I, I, I mean, I understand you want to do your whole sonnet. I'm, it's tight. I understand you. What, where, I don't know exactly where you're going, but I'm learning a lot right now from other people. But the other thing is I'm kind of learning a lot on my own, too, you know, through reading. But, okay. yeah, no, I'm not going to do the whole thing uh, for you. I just I only chimed in for a quick concurrence. Yeah, I, I understand, and, and uh, it's, uh, it's kind of disruptive. But I, it will I out I, now. I, the more you go on and on about it, so why don't we just go back to what you were saying? Uh, okay. <clears throat> so um, this is argument one. Um, that's in the opposition to defendants' demur. So this will give you some background on what a demur is. Demur is limited to five enumerated grounds. A demur is a pleading entered at or before the time of arraignment, raising an issue of law as to the sufficiency of the accusatory pleading. Now, keep in mind that the district attorney is asserting that the notice to appear is an accusatory pleading. A demur tests only defects appearing on the face of the accusatory pleading. 
such a defect would encompass a constitutionally invalid statute. Penal Code Section 1004 sets out five grounds upon which demur may be brought. It has long been held that the enumerated grounds are exclusive and that a demur may not be brought on any other ground. And Penal Code Section 1004 states, a defendant may demur to the accusatory pleading at any time prior to the entry of a plea when it appears on the face thereof either one, if an indictment, that the grand jury by which it was found had no legal authority to inquire into the offense charged, or if an information or complaint that the court has no jurisdiction of the offense charged therein. Two, that it does not substantially conform to the provisions of sections 950 and 952, and also section 951, in case of an indictment or information. Three, that more than one offense is charged, except as provided in section 954. Four, the facts stated do not constitute a public offense. Five, that it contains matter which, if true, would constitute a legal justification or excuse of the offense charged or other legal bar to the prosecution. In the case at hand, Defendant demurs on the basis of the second enumerated grounds claiming the notice to appear does not substantially conform to the provisions of sections 950 and 952. So that's what the district attorney has written in opposition to the demur filed before entry of a plea by the defendant. So the defendant, rather than entering a plea, chose this option. And what the district attorney responded, uh, what, what the district attorney's response consists of, um, well, you know, the, uh, the grounds to which, the, the, the circumstances to which you can use a demur um, reflect that uh, he's, he's alleging this one and that one as the reason for it. Well, too bad, uh, it's proper. That's basically what they're, what they're saying. The district attorney goes on and at number two, the notice to appear is conforming with penal code sections 950 and 952. Now here's where they're going to attempt to persuade the court that they, they have a correct interpretation of 950 and 952 of the penal code. The defendant demurs on the ground that the notice to appear did not conform to penal code section 950 and 952. However, defendant's contention is without merit. Penal Code Section 950 states, the accusatory pleading must contain the title of the action, specifying the name of the court to which the same is presented, and the names of the parties, a statement of the public offense or offenses charged therein. Furthermore, a statement of offenses may be made in ordinary and concise language without any technical averments. 
It may be in the words of the enactment describing the offense or declaring the matter to be a public offense or in any words sufficient to give the accused notice of the offense of which he is accused. Penal Code Section 952. And this is, uh, this is an interesting section that they, uh, that they uh, refer to. Moreover, California Vehicle Code Section 40513, subsection B, permits the filing of a notice to appear in lieu of a complaint. Quote, whenever the written notice to appear has been prepared on a form approved by the Judicial Council, the notice, when filed with the magistrate, shall constitute a complaint to which the defendant may enter a plea. Here, the citation forward slash notice to appear conforms with Penal Code Section 915-952. The notice provided to defendant enumerates the court the defendant is to appear, the arresting officer, and defendant. In addition, the notice lists the offenses defendant is accused of, thereby meeting the requirements of Penal Code Section 952. Furthermore, California Vehicle Code Section 40513B provides that a notice to appear constitutes a complaint, which implies that it meets the accusatory pleading standards enumerated in Penal Code Section 950 and 952. Well, that's interesting stuff. Unfortunately, it's all BS, and it doesn't matter. And the question is, how come it doesn't matter? Well, because it's like this. We have a quote-unquote criminal action underway commenced by the officer. And in this particular case, um, the, um, the DA was nice enough to identify the officer as the arresting officer. So they did, they did some work for my guy, which is really cool. See, if, if the DA identified the arresting officer as the arresting officer, that means the officer made an arrest. And I'll bet he made one without a warrant. So let's just deal with the paperwork that set this criminal action in motion. It's the notice to appear. That notice to appear is prepared and issued by the arresting officer. It is issued. It is served before it's filed in a court. Now, anybody who's been involved in a small claims action, they know that that's a civil matter. And they also know that they had to serve the defendant with a service copy. The service copy was file stamped service copy at court when the, the plaintiff's claim in order to defendant was filed. Nobody, but nobody is gonna see the inside of a courtroom, a, a small claims courtroom, unless they serve the defendant with the service copy 
that's been file stamped service copy by a court clerk when the, the, compl- the claim, plaintiff's claim in order to defendant, was taken to small claims court for filing. Again, small claims is, is the most simple civil action going. And if you want to have your day in court, you have to take the paperwork you fill out to the court and file it first. And then it has to be served on the defendant within a specific time frame. Now, someone is going to have to explain to me how criminal process serving procedures can be more relaxed than a a civil small claims action. The cop is the arresting officer. He's preparing a piece of paper. The piece of paper has three words on it most of the time, might have four, citation, notice to appear. But more than likely, you're going to see the words notice to appear. Well, notice begins with the letter N, as in notice. A complaint begins with the letter C, as in complaint or claim. But it's not a claim on the criminal side. It's complaint. It's a criminal complaint. Now, we know, we know that, the, um, that the officer is the arresting officer, at least according to the district attorney in this particular case because that's how the district attorney identified their witness. That's another thing uh, that people uh, can be aware of, is that the officer who pulls them over is the state's witness. So state's witness and arresting officer. Now, um, let me see if I can. Here we go. Can I mention Trenzi versus Tagliaro to you? Yeah, you can do that. Sure. sure. Maybe you All could right. sure. type type it in or something. No, you know, I mean, I'll just say it. Trenzi v Tag- Tagliaro, and uh, I believe the holding was something to the tune of. Statements of counsel in brief or argument are not sufficient for summary judgment. And, you know, whether or not the police officer is a, 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 a witness of the state doesn't matter because if he takes your ID and it also says state of, state of whatever on it, you're, he's you. He's, he's representing you. He's a fiduciary. And, that, and he's in the capacity of the larger body politic. It's like he is you. He's protecting you for you. And it's really, uh, it's really interesting. Transy versus Tagliaro. Statements of counsel and brief for argument, not sufficient. Do you have a court citation? What do you mean by court citation? Like 6 Cal App 4th, Sup 1. 3 Cal 3rd, oh, yeah. uh, nine, yeah. 941. And you know what? I believe I might actually have Trinity versus Tagliaro in a Google Drive, and I can put it in the uh, chat room. And I may have even shepherdized it, too. 
That would be fun. Let's check it out. But go on. I'm looking. Okay. Um, <clears throat> I, was, I was wondering if it'd be okay if I kind of got through what I what I intended to do. Would that be all right? That'd be great, man. That'd be awesome. Okay. You see, you're interjecting stuff, and you think it's related to what I'm talking about, but not so much. You know what I mean? It's not that it's not that a good case. The, the citation is not valid, and that maybe they can't use it in the pres in the in the court that they're in because it's not a it's a it's maybe quasi judicial like it's a quasi judicial proceeding or different standard that they're holding the judge to or something like that. No, I didn't say that at all. I wasn't going to say anything like that. Well, I thought that it was relevant because of you. Were, you were saying that I, 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 I know that you. I, 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 yeah, I, I understand, and that's true. And I was about to give you the site. Let's do it. I, I'm sorry to interrupt you, man. I really love you're. You're inspiring. Let's put it that way. You're inspiring. Go on. Thank you very much. Thank you. And I also don't want to be pissed off when I'm doing this. I'm attempting to achieve something. And if you're going to harmonize, then what we need to do before that is get together and rehearse. So until we rehearse, I'd appreciate it if you didn't play over my lead. Thank you. Um, defendant uh, G. Marcroft was tried for violating vehicle code section 21651 subdivision A, making a left turn across a painted barrier an infraction. The people were not represented by a deputy district attorney at the trial, and the sole prosecution witness was the citing officer. Whether or not the people provide a prosecuting attorney, the citing officer who testifies as to the circumstances of the citation is a witness. No more, no less. Now, we have a problem. And the problem is that in the majority of traffic infraction cases, when the officer shows up, they are nothing more than a witness. They're the state's witness. Anyone who enters a not guilty plea will wind up going to a trial where it will be the officer, the judicial officer, the commissioner or judge, and you, the defendant. That's it. There's three actors in this play. And remember, it's a criminal action. It's a criminal trial, not a civil trial. How do you know? Because you're not arraigned in a civil action. An arraignment is a component of a criminal action. You do not enter a plea of guilty or not guilty in a civil action. That does not happen in a civil action. It only happens in a criminal action. 
So when you enter a not guilty plea, more than like, and if it's for an infraction, more than likely it's going to be the officer, the commissioner or judge, and you. That's it. Here's a question for everybody. Where is the plaintiff? Remember, the officer is the witness. They're not the plaintiff. The plaintiff in a criminal action are the people of the state of California. Now, 38, 40 million people are not gonna show up to traffic court tomorrow morning. Who is on their behalf? Who is the people's attorney? That would be the district attorney. The district attorney is responsible for prosecuting crime. The officer arrests people for crime, but they do not prosecute people for crime. That's the job of the district attorney. So if you find yourself in a courtroom on the date of your trial, and it's just the officer, the commissioner or judge, and you, what you know in that moment is neither the plaintiff nor their attorney has bothered to show up. So a question for you would be, who is prosecuting this case? It cannot be the officer. The officer is the witness. The witness is not prosecuting the case. Where are the people and where is the people's attorney? We know the people aren't gonna show up, but where's their attorney? As a rule, they don't play in infraction cases. You can take advantage of this if you know what's supposed to happen or what, what the elements of a criminal action are. Now, how did you get to trial? How did you even get to arraignment? You got to arraignment because of a piece of paper identified by the terms notice to appear. That notice to appear is what the district attorney in Southern California in their opposition brief identified as an accusatory pleading. Well, here's a quest here's another question for y'all. Does does the arresting officer, the state's witness, get to prepare and serve a criminal complaint? Oh, and by the way, if the notice to appear is a criminal complaint, you have to ask yourself is it legitimate that it's served before it's even been filed in a court? Because what that officer is, if, if the district attorney is correct, then what they're attempting to persuade the judicial officer who reads their opposition brief, they're attempting to persuade the judicial officer that their witness, their, their star witness, has the authority to prepare and issue a criminal complaint before it's even been filed in the courtroom without any oversight. 
that's what this information translates into in my world. This district attorney is attempting to persuade the court that the officer has the same power and authority as a district attorney. Well, no, they don't. It's the district attorney who's responsible for preparing and filing a criminal complaint. The notice to appear cannot be a criminal complaint because it was not prepared and filed by an attorney. It does not bear an attorney's signature. But what the district attorney wants to persuade the court of is that the officer can do this. The officer can commence a criminal action without the DA's participation. Well, no, they can't. Um, we've got a lot of problems here. And what uh, Vehicle Code Section 40513B informs us of is that, yes, the notice to appear, um, whenever a written notice to appear has been prepared on a form approved by the Judicial Council, and they have approved notice to appears, and the notice is filed with the magistrate shall constitute a complaint to which the defendant may enter a plea. The legislature did not write that you have to enter a plea to the notice to appear. It says you may enter it. You may enter a plea. The four, so 40513 permits the filing of a notice to appear in lieu of a complaint. Fine, they can file it, but it doesn't turn it into a complaint. And they're also using the term verified. The notice to appear is not verified. Not, Penal Code Section 950 states the accusatory pleading must contain the title of the action specifying the name of the court, which the same is presented, and the names of the parties, a statement of the public offense or offenses charged therein. Okay, well, the accusatory pleading the notice to appear uh, does not contain a statement at all. They never do. Notice to appears never contain a statement. They just they just uh, they just have um, shorthand like a seatbelt, and then they'll they'll put the seatbelt section uh, plates fifty two hundred uh, exp tag four o four thousand a. That's not a statement. That's shorthand. And then we're informed that uh, it's got to contain a statement of a public offense. Well, infractions are not crimes. And a crime is either a crime or a public offense. So the notice to appear does not contain a statement, nor does it cite a public offense, because infractions are not crimes. They've been decriminalized. So the, the notice to appear is defective for more than a few reasons. And it cannot be a complaint because that is the prerogative of the prosecution, the district attorney. They have 
a prosecutorial prerogative. They do not have to prefer charges. They can pick and choose which cases they want to do. If the district attorney had to prosecute every single alleged crime that came into their office, they would never close and the courts would be open 24 hours a day, 365 days a year. The district attorney has discretion to prosecute, but they don't have to prosecute. What this district attorney is attempting to persuade the judge or the commissioner who reads their opposition brief is that they can delegate their prosecutorial prerogative, their prosecutorial discretion to the arresting officer, to their primary witness. No, they can't. They're playing fast and loose with the rules. And the sooner that people understand what's going on in the, in the traffic court, the more effective they're going to be when they go there. You've been accused of not following a rule. That's what a traffic stop consists of, is being accused of not following a rule. Not a problem. Maybe you did, maybe you didn't. The question is, did the cop, did your accuser follow the rules that apply to them? If they didn't, you may not be found guilty. But it's a good idea to know the boundaries of the officer's legitimate duty. What can they do? What are they prohibited from doing? Well, what they're prohibited from doing is practicing law, which is what they would be doing in a, in a criminal court if they were prosecuting the case. They would be practicing law without a license, and they can't do that. So let's say you're at the traffic trial, and... Um, well, as a matter of fact, yes, it would violate the separation of powers doctrine. So let, let's say you, you find yourself in a, in a traffic trial and there's only three actors, you being one of them. The officer is going to be invited to tell his side of the story. When the officer gets done, an objection could be made. Uh, excuse me, Your Honor, um, but... Uh, are you letting this officer practice law in your courtroom? <clears throat> That's pretty much what he's doing. There is no prosecutor. The, 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 the commissioner or judge cannot prosecute. They cannot practice law from the bench. They're an umpire. The officer, if they show up, is the state's witness, but they're not a party to the action. They're just a witness. They cannot prosecute. They cannot practice law. They cannot file a criminal complaint. Who the hell is prosecuting? Yes, the, the commissioner or judge can ask questions. That's, that's a legitimate aspect of what they do. But they cannot prosecute the case. They cannot examine. They can ask questions, uh, but they can't conduct what, what the district attorney would do. And that is an exa the examination of the state's witness. 
They can't do it. So you have a criminal action, supposedly, with no jury trial. It's going to be a bench trial. And uh, a bench trial is interesting in and of itself um, for a kind of an interesting reason. Um, see, the bench trial is just the, the, the judicial officer sitting there. And um, that's okay, but we've got a bit of a problem because, again, there are rules. And this is a criminal action. And um, are they following the rules? You got to ask the question, are they following the rules? Well, here's a rule that you can be aware of. It's in, penal, it's in the California Penal Code, and it's Section 689, Section 689 of the California Penal Code. Now, remember, in, a, in an infraction case, you're not going to get a jury trial, but it's supposedly a criminal action. It's a, it's a criminal trial. Now, here's what's written at 689. No person can be convicted of a public offense, which is a crime, unless by verdict of a jury. You can't be convicted of what they're calling a public offense except by a jury. But you don't get a jury for an infraction case. Someone's got to explain how that's legal. So in any event, we have a lot of ammunition. We have a lot of information that we could put into play as it pertains to the rules that apply to them. The officer has to follow rules. The judicial officer has to follow rules. The district attorney has to follow rules. So it's in your best interest to find out what the rules are that apply to those three players so you can determine if they're cheating or not, if they're lying or not. Just because an officer issues you a notice to appear doesn't mean it was legitimate. And, and if you're issued a notice to appear for an expired tab, fuzzy dice hanging from your mirror, overly tinted windows, no plates, burned out taillight, California stopped, talking on a cell phone, not wearing a seatbelt, five, ten miles over the speed limit. That officer has made a warrantless arrest for non-criminal behavior, and you've been held in custody until the officer issues the notice to appear. So you've been arrested and held in custody for non-criminal behavior, and this isn't front-page news. People are scared to death to walk out their front door and get in their car and go down the street praying to their God they don't get pulled over. If you want to find out just how confident you are about your rights and the law and the relationship you have with your employees downtown, just take the plates off your car. That's all you have to do. If you want to find out how confident you are about, about the law and the rules and what the police can and can't, you're immune from arrest for non-criminal behavior. 
folks, that's, that's it. We are all immune from arrest and criminal prosecution for non-criminal behavior. Infractions of the vehicle code are not crimes. What are cops doing making warrantless arrests for non-criminal behavior? What are we doing inside a courtroom being arraigned when no crime has been alleged? That's what's going on. And it's not front page news. It's shocking. People are going to walk into a courtroom tomorrow and they're going to pay their their abuser. Crime indeed does pay. Because well, you know what it is? It's, oh, yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead if you'd like. Okay. Um, in any event, um, we have uh, a lot of resources available to us, and um, we're, we're we're simply not using them as effectively as we could be. Um, again, the, the uh, it was my intent to focus on the notice to appear tonight uh, because I just received this opposition from uh, a, uh, the district attorney in a buddy's case. So I wanted to point out what I believe are um, oversights, um, errors, just plain wrong aspects of what the district attorney actually wrote in opposition to this guy's demur. By the way, it was a special demur, and a special demur is acknowledged and recognized by the courts, and its purpose is slightly different different than the regular one. The regular demur um, is a fine document, if that's what you want to do. A special demur challenges or tests the jurisdiction of the court. It's kind of a hybrid document. Actually, when you look around, you'll see that there's also a hybrid demur as well. Uh, You can go, you you can do a demur or you can do a motion to quash. Um, You will run into substantial opposition if you do a motion to quash because they are very, very unusual. They are not used typically in a criminal action. So if you're going to do one, be prepared for substantial blowback from the district attorney. However, the good news is, regardless of what the district attorney replies or whatever their opposition is, you ha- there is a court case that tells us that motions to quash are, are appropriate in criminal actions. So the district attorney is going to have to get past that particular court case, and the only, re- the only way they're going to be able to do that is if the defendant blows it and doesn't know how to make, make the argument. But a motion to quash is a, is a strict frontal attack on jurisdiction. 
you cannot discuss the merits of your case because the challenge, what you're notifying the court is, hey, Your Honor, um, you don't have all the legs of the jurisdictional stool, so you can't go forward. You got you got to terminate this action because you, you don't have all the legs of the jurisdictional stool, so you can't sit down on that. You can't sit down on it. Okay. They don't want to hear that they don't have jurisdiction. That's something they don't ever want to hear. And when you tell them that, be prepared for blowback. But a motion to quash, I believe, is the most powerful document you can file. Because in it, you can, you can notify the court of the reasons that, it, that the court has to dismiss the case in the interest of justice. The officer neither observed nor, nor alleged a crime. They never observed or alleged a public offense. A public offense and a crime are the same thing. So the officer's authority to arrest someone is limited to crime. You have the same arrest authority as a policeman does. You can only do it for crime. If you pull me over, if you arrest me for an expired tab, I'm going to turn around and sue you for everything you got. I'm going to get punitive damages. I'll get compensatory damages. I'll get exemplary damages. But I'm coming after you with everything I can possibly come at you with because you subjected me to, to an arrest without a warrant for non-criminal behavior. No policeman, no highway patrol officer, no sheriff deputy can arrest anyone without a warrant for non-criminal behavior. And they will not issue a warrant except on probable cause of crime. That's a constitutional guarantee. That's a constitutional directive. No warrant shall issue but upon probable cause. Probable cause of what? probable cause of crime. There is no probable cause associated with non-criminal conduct. Infractions of the vehicle code are not crimes. The officer who issues the paper is the arresting officer and the state's witness. The officer has subjected the party to whom they issued the notice to appear to a warrantless arrest, held them in custody, and then they were released from custody when the, when the notice to appear was issued. If the notice to appear contains an infraction, the officer is going to have to explain where he gets the authority to make a warrantless arrest for non-criminal conduct. That's your case. The cop did something. The cop did it with or without authorization. Your job is to find out whether or not the cop was acting with legislative authorization. The answer is no. There is no legislative authorization to arrest anyone for non-criminal behavior. Drinking iced tea on your front porch is not a crime. Playing hopscotch in front of your house is not a crime.
sitting in a drive through at a, at a fast food restaurant is not a crime. You know, waiting to order your food, if you want to call that stuff food, but it's not a crime. The crime would be eating that stuff, but, you know, that's <laughs> just a personal observation. Um, in any event, there are rules that apply to the officer who subjects people to an arrest. If you, It's in your best interest to know what those rules are. It's in your interest to know what they have discretion to do and what they are required to do. The good news for all of us is that even if, even if the officer witnesses what he believes to be a, a public offense, a, a violation of the vehicle code, he is still under no obligation, no mandatory duty to pull that somebody over. They may make a warrantless arrest. That's what we're informed of by the legislature. They may make a warrantless arrest as long as the arrest is for crime. It's got to be for crime. That is the condition precedent. Crime. Any arrest, any detention for non-criminal conduct, the cops got problems. Only if we make, a, make it a problem by bringing up the code sections, the rules that apply to our employees. That's what we're not doing. People are making arguments about their name being in all capital letters. I, for the life of me, I have no idea what that has to do with going down the street with an expired tab on your car. I, I, I can't make the leap. I don't know what it has to do with uh, in relation to talking on a cell phone. I, 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 I can't make the leap. I don't get it. I don't know what my name being in all capital letters has to do with me going 10 miles over the posted speed limit. I, just, I, I, I don't get it. I'm being accused of erroneous conduct, not that my name is in all capital letters, but people are going into court and they're, they're making these types of arguments. They're also going into court claiming they're sovereign citizens. Well, there's no such thing as a sovereign citizen, um, but people are going in there saying that kind of stuff. And I don't know what that has to do with... Um, the contract between them and the DMV. If they were a sovereign citizen, like they claim, I know what they, what they mean. They're just not talking about it the right way. But if, in fact, they were what they claim to be, they wouldn't have a contract with the DMV because they would know that there's a distinction between commercial and non-commercial use of the street. Um, let's see if I have it here. The, um, the state has the right to regulate professions. And, uh, this is from a California Supreme Court decision from 1938. It's, uh, 
entitled Morrell, M-O-R-E-L, versus Railroad Commission of California. Morrell versus Railroad Commission of California. It's a 1938 case. It's 11, Cal 2nd, 488. 11, Cal 2nd, 488. This is what the court, the Supreme Court of California held in 1938. The state has the authority to regulate the use of the public highways for business purposes. Do you folks, any of you folks sit in traffic on your way home? Well, if you were in traffic, it wasn't the people around you in the cars. It was the big rigs and the, del and the other delivery trucks and the tow trucks. Everybody else, they're really not in commerce. They're not in traffic. They're not trafficking in anything. They're just going home, but they don't know what they did. And the people who are using the term traffic instead of the word congestion, that's the wrong definition. So the state has the authority to regulate the use of the public highways for business purposes. You think a, a license might be involved? I do. This is from a, uh, a brief for the petitioners that was prepared and filed by the U.S. Department of Justice. And in this brief prepared by the U.S. Department of Justice, this is what they wrote in their brief. The activity licensed by state DMVs, the operation of motor vehicles, is itself integrally related to interstate commerce. And the federal government won that case. So the Department of Justice for the federal government asserted that the activity licensed by state DMVs, the operation of motor vehicles, is itself integrally related to interstate commerce. Every justice on the Supreme Court agreed with the, with the uh, Department of Justice. So they're in agreement that the activity licensed by state DMVs is integrally related to interstate commerce. This is from a 1887 California Supreme Court decision. The name of the case is City and County of San Francisco versus Liverpool and London and Globe Insurance Company. City and County of San Francisco versus Liverpool and London and Globe Insurance Company. 74 Cal 113. 74 Cal 113. A license proper is a permit to do business which could not be done without the license. Here's the same exact words, uh, almost the same exact words, in 1902 from the California Supreme Court. This is City of Sonora versus J B as in boy Curtin. City of Sonora versus J. B. Curtin. It's 137, Cal 583. A license in its proper sense is a permit to do business which could not be done without the license. Now, I don't know how much more plain I can make it. 
If you have a license, you're permitted to engage in a profession. And as we were informed by the California Supreme Court in 1938, the state has the authority to regulate the use of the public highways for business purposes. So those people who were used in the streets and highways for business purposes, they're regulated. When I get on the street and highway, I'm not carrying anyone or anything for money. I'm just going to my destination. I'm running an errand. I'm not using the street for business purposes. I'm using it for my own personal purposes. But I'm not being compensated, unlike a cab driver or someone delivering pizza or someone delivering flowers. Anybody who delivers cannot get a delivery job unless they have a driver license. And the bare ass minimum for working in a cab at a cab company is a class C license. Same goes for people delivering pizza. If you don't have a class C license, you're not going to be delivering pizza. If you don't have a class C license, you're not going to be delivering flowers for FTD. It just isn't going to happen. The driver's license permits the holder to charge a fee for what they do. It permits them to be hired as a driver. A driver is an employee. If you're not delivering pizza or flowers, what are you doing with a license? Every Christian on this call, Ask the question, why do you need to have a license? Why do you need to have a sentient being's permission to go to your place of worship? It doesn't make any sense. You've got God-given rights. God-given rights aren't permitted by your employees up at the state capitol. You got them. Big Daddy already said you're good to go. You get to use them. No, no, no permission slip required. Just use them. If you have permission from the state, then you're not exercising a secured right. You're exercising something that belongs to them. You're using their permission to engage in business, in a profession, in an occupation. The occupation of a driver. Now, I doubt everybody is going to get rid of their license. But what people could be doing is writing to their lawmaker up at their state capitol and asking some questions or posing some questions to them that you know they have to answer. I think an important question that could be submitted to an assembly member, a legislator, would be, has the legislature authorized peace officers to make warrantless arrests for non-criminal behavior or non-criminal conduct? If the authorization has been provided by the legislature, it's got to be in a code somewhere. Which one? 
at what section. If there's no authorization, if there's no legislative authorization for a, a policeman, a highway patrol officer, or a sheriff deputy to arrest someone for non-criminal conduct, then who broke the law? Who committed a crime? False imprisonment is a crime. An arrest without authorization is false imprisonment. Well, that about kind of covers what I wanted to cover. Um, I'll conclude by saying that the piece of paper issued by the arresting officer is not a complaint. It cannot be a complaint. It's impossible for it to be a complaint. It is a notice. It is not a complaint. Uh, the only the only someone who can file a criminal complaint is the district attorney. They are the people's attorney. When it comes to crime, the people are the plaintiff. Their attorney is the district attorney. If the district attorney doesn't file a complaint, then somebody owes you an explanation how the hell you can be arraigned and subjected to a trial. How does that even happen? Oh, and by the way, is the arraignment commissioner or judge required to know that a, an infraction is not a crime? Is that something they're required to know? They're sitting in traffic court. Does it make some kind of sense that, and it's supposedly a criminal action because arraignments are part of a criminal action, not a civil action. So are they supposed to know that an infraction is not a crime? And if they are supposed to know, then maybe someone could explain where the arraignment commissioner or judge gets the authorization to arraign someone who has not been accused of a crime. I'd really like to know the answer to that because that seems pretty important. When you when you go to arraignment, you're being in informed of a charge or charges. Those charges constitute crimes because this is an arraignment and an arraignment is part of a criminal action. So if you've been charged with 5200 or 4000A of the vehicle code, those are infractions, they're not crimes. So does that arraignment commissioner or judge have the authority to accept a plea from someone who hasn't been charged with a crime? So in any event, uh, I'm going to wrap up the chat this evening. Unless someone has a question or comment, I'm happy to uh, address it. Uh, Guest number two, are you asking me?
Okay. Uh, yeah, the question is, are you in civil or criminal court? I'm in neither court. I'm just assisting a buddy with his case. Um, and again, the uh, strategy was to file a demur uh, addressing the notice to appear issue. But again, it wasn't a standard demur. It was a special demur because we're um, uh, also attacking jurisdiction of the court. And um, hopefully uh, what, what the DA wrote here, especially from um, the penal code, will provide everybody with um, valuable information. I particularly like this part. A, ple a, a demur is a pleading entered at or before the time of arraignment raising an issue of law as to the sufficiency of the accusatory pleading. A traffic ticket in California is, is, is criminal. That's what I've been saying. There's only two kinds of cases, civil or criminal. If you get a, if you get a ticket for anything, you're going to, you're going to be, you can go to an arraignment. You can pay or you can have your day in court, go into a plea of guilty or not guilty. So it's, it's criminal. If you got a cop involved, it's criminal. If you have a an arraignment, it's criminal. There is no arraignment associated with a civil action, small claims or you suing me, okay? Yes, sir. Fine only offenses are, are, are not crimes, but, but what they're doing is they're, they're addressing the issue in a criminal setting. And if you don't know what they're doing, you cannot take advantage of the opportunities that are presented to us. So let, okay, you heard a judge, okay, uh, idiote types, heard a judge say, quote, it's criminal because the legislature says it's criminal. Um, that judge is wrong. Because when you read People versus Sava, you have another judge, you have more than one judge actually from the Court of Appeals, telling that judge that he's wrong because infractions are not crimes and the legislature never intended infractions to be crimes. So the judge that said that it's criminal because the legislature says it's criminal. Yeah, they're being a smart ass little punk and they don't know what they're talking about. Just read court cases. Read court cases. You're going to find out what you want to know in court cases. They tell you who won and why. They'll tell you who lost and why. But People versus Sava, that's a 1987 California Court of Appeals decision. It's 190 Cal App 3rd, 935. 190 Cal App 3rd, 935. Infractions are not crimes. Okay, now we know what they're not. So a cop has to explain to you how you can be arrested, how he can arrest someone for non-criminal behavior legitimately. How are they going to do that? The piece of paper they issue does not contain a crime. Infractions are not crimes. The officer did not have a warrant. The officer made a warrantless arrest for non-criminal conduct, 
where's the authorization for that? When someone shows that to me, I'm going to quit doing this because I will have wasted 30 years of my life doing this stuff, reading these court cases. I can't find the legislative authorization for anyone to make a warrantless arrest for non-criminal behavior. But if somebody knows where it is, I would really like to know so that I can quit doing this and go do something else, and I'll admit I'm wrong. Because after after my studies, after all my contemplating and assessing everything I've read, I'm convinced there is no legislative authorization for anyone to make a warrantless arrest for non-criminal behavior. If there was, then secured rights, there wouldn't be any. There would be no such thing. The only reason there are clearly established constitutional rights is because policemen cannot arrest people for non-criminal behavior or exercising their their clearly established constitutional rights. So with that, uh, thank you everybody for stopping by and um, I hope you all leave with something you might be able to use and perhaps we'll do this again next week. Have a good evening. Thanks again.
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.